1: From Red Kite Prayer, this is the Paceline Tandem, a special episode of the podcast on two wheels. I'm co-host Celine Yeager, and my guest for this episode is 34-year-old retired Army Sergeant and Iraq War Combat Veteran, Sarah Lee. Lee came to my attention through a cycling friend who encountered her at the end of her cross-country journey outside of San Francisco, California. He messaged me immediately and said, you have got to tell this woman's story. He was right. After 12 years of fighting off the depression that often comes from trying to reenter civilian life, especially after wartime military service, Lee found herself staring down some serious suicidal thoughts. In that moment, she decided that she would buy a bike rather than end her life. Her goal was to ride across the country and connect with the people and land she had fought for. She started outside of Virginia Beach and pedaled 4,300 miles to San Francisco, east to west, Wind in her face for nearly five months. Along the way, she stopped at VFWs, told people her story, and yes, found validation that her life was very much worth living. I sat down with Lee shortly after she finished her journey last month and wrote a piece for bicycling.com. Her story was so compelling, I wanted to follow up and let you all hear her words straight from her mouth. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did.
2: So, Sarah, you dipped your tires in the surf of San Francisco Ocean Beach on September 3rd, 12 weeks after you'd set off from Virginia Beach. And you had just ridden 4,300 miles across the country. And, you know, I watched, I watched a tape of it, and the first words you said when the, when the TV cameras rolled were, I basically bought this bike rather than end my life. And honestly, I still break up inside every time I like watch it or I hear it and I see that raw emotion. And, you know, at that moment, I just thought like a lot of people, myself included, you know, want to ride across this country or, um, you know, maybe have ridden across this country, but they have have a lot of reasons, but yours seems so intensely personal and you had a very personal reason for wanting to really immerse yourself in this country and, and the people that you met along the way. And I, I was just hoping that you could tell us a bit about how you got to that moment of knowing that crossing the country on a bike was what you needed to pull you out of what had to have been a very dark moment.
0: Yes. Yes. It definitely was a a life-changing and life-saving journey. Um, it was better than I even dreamed it would be, honestly. Because when you start out, you know, you have some fears, like am I going to get out what I need, um, things like that, or what what would happen, all the unknowns. But, um, yeah, definitely, uh, this journey was beautiful, and I didn't know what I was getting into, which was <laughs> kind of the, the best part of it. <laughs> My incredible lack of experience made for a, a very exciting, eye-opening and breathtaking um, five months. <laughs> so I guess, you know, it had been 14 years since my deployment to Iraq. Um, I spent 12 months over in, in Iraq near Tikrit, uh, which is Saddam's hometown, that area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got back from that and I, I felt a, a little bit lost, not a place coming home from that. Mm-hmm. And so I started filling my days pretty um, <laughs> deliberately. You know, I was taking 15 to 18 credit hours at, at college. Wow. I was working a couple. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was working a couple part time jobs at the school and then I was uh, I was also, I started selling Mary Kay of all the things. Oh my God. And people would joke, <laughs> oh, she has an M16 in one hand and a tube ballistic in the other. And I'm not wow. even that big on makeup. It just, just whatever it took. Um. Were you just really trying to fill
2: a, a void or, or were you trying to escape from something that was bubbling? Like, what what was that about?
0: Um, you know, I think when, when you're on a deployment, everything is so heightened all your senses are so heightened. Um, it's constant. It's like a, it's a, it's a constant stimuli, the the amount of stimuli all the time. It's, it it would be overwhelming normally, but you get used to it so quickly once you get over there. And so it becomes very, very normal. Like all these factors can come into play at any given time and you're just, you can kind of just start handling it. You know, you just, it's effortless. You don't even have to really think, And uh, so when you get home, things slow down so much. Wow. And you don't know. You have all this stuff that you know you're capable of. And you have, I mean, you can handle so much. And when you get back, it all seems kind of like a. It's hard to describe. Yeah, you really want to achieve that same um, challenge or achieve. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So so filling, filling the days was. And really important. So that's um, one, why people two, go right back in, right? Like you hear people that just yes, yeah, yeah. A lot did of that people go right back over. did that ever occur to you?
2: Did you think about doing that at all, or no?
0: Yes, I did. I got back from my deployment and I went back into college. There was a my unit. I was I was going to transfer units to a different unit. Um, however, I waited and stuck around with my current unit after my deployment and then switched units. Um, they weren't slated to go back. Uh, later down the line, they ended up going to Afghanistan, but that was after I'd gotten out. And so I did the other thing, I filled the days, rather than go right back over. And so um, I kinda, I, I was really hankering for, for another <laughs> deployment. You just feel normal there after a while, and then you get back and feel super abnormal. Yeah, yeah. So um, that thirst for normalcy, really, it it really leaves you very, very fatigued after, after, after a while. And it seems to get worse over the years. You really don't quite feel it at first because you're kind of coming back at this feeling of being almost superhuman, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And then, so you fill your days for so long and you do get fatigued after a while. And um, because you have that, those capabilities then that you've learned in the military or, or had to utilize during your service and all of these things, um, you just start feeling kind of unfulfilled after a while. You can't fill the days enough. So you, right. you do start getting fatigued for that reason. So that's
2: why it's just like, it was, a, it was like 12 year period, it just right? a 12-year
0: period. Yes. Yeah. And in, yeah. That, in that time, I mean, I'd gotten, I did the college thing. I'd gotten a, a bachelor's um, of science and technology, associate of arts. I did a minor in business. I'd taken so many classes that they all added up to the rate random associate of arts. I only needed one extra class. I was like, why not? I mean, <laughs> and I started a photography business, which I've been running for 11 years and that's successful. I just, I don't know what it is. It's almost like um, you've really start getting down. You start wondering, will anything be enough? Uh, and it's not because you're in search of excess. You're in search of substance and fulfillment. Right. And it's like, can I ever fill this void that was just so perfectly, beautifully filled by the military between the wow. challenge of it, the expectations. You can never do anything right. It's awesome. You know, yeah, yeah. no matter what, you, you fail. It's awesome challenge, <laughs> which I don't, something's wrong with me that I think that's awesome. But I've always kind of in search of challenge, a search of a challenge. And that was that was the end all be all, you know, and plus the camaraderie it's just a beautiful combination of things. There are, I mean, there's downsides to everything too, but what I took from it was um, those things more than anything else. And I I did, I do miss it. So.
2: And you had mentioned that uh, in another conversation that you had gained, you had gained some weight. So perhaps you had been also eating
0: to fill that void. Well, slowly toward the end of my enlistment, I would say toward the end of the eight years, I uh, started eating quite a bit, kind of turning to food. You know, yeah. I, I knew that my military term was coming to an end, and it was due to uh, physical ailments. You know, I, I wanted to be a lifer. It's the only thing that's ever made complete sense is being in the military. And uh, due to I had chronic neck pain that was that had worsened over the years. Uh, I took some advice and went ahead and mentioned it, mentioned how it how bad it had gotten and things like that. And that ended up resulting in a, a permanent profile, which uh, put me on non-deployable status about gotcha. six years in, I think. And so I just, I figured I can't deploy with my unit. Why, what am I, you know, I'm kind of like dead weight, if you will. So that, that sucked. And so I really, I started eating um, and I gained, let's see, between 2008 and 2007, thousand seven, two thousand 10, I gained about a hundred pounds oh. uh, from abusing food. I mean, some people turned to alcohol, drugs, pills. Yeah. I yeah. used food. It was my reward, my punishment. I associated every emotion with it. I took, I blamed myself for things I have guilt from my deployment uh, and some other things. And I just funneled it all into this relief of eating. It was so awesome. Uh, but it's like the worst thing I built a prison right. for myself, basically, huh. and so in two thousand twelve i I fixed that I tried to fix that. that I lost a well, I met a fellow combat veteran um she'd been on three deployments, she owned a gym here in Nashville, and we met out of nowhere and she she told me what she does she'd almost weighed four hundred pounds herself Whoa. so there was the there was so much trust already out of the gate. Um, well, you know when you're vulnerable and open, you start yeah. to make these connections and bonds. Like she told me these things. She'd been on. The, she's a veteran, you know, combat vet. She'd mm-hmm. weighed a whole lot herself, and she's been using. She's been uh, spending the last several years helping other women do, uh, you know, break themselves out of their own prison. I'm like, dude, help me. Yeah. <laughs> so I just I trusted her, you know, and she She helped me. I attended her gym and worked really hard. I lost a hundred pounds in twelve months. that's amazing from uh, I did like a high intensity full body boot camp style workout four or five times a week um sometimes I would double up in the evening but like back to back classes, which she thought I was insane, but I am a little <laughs> i mean I think so um and then just eating clean, you know right. just small meals, small clean meals um and no no gimmicks you don't need any of that stuff pills and replacements and all that I, you know i just wanted to do it very legit so well, it probably after felt I did pretty that, good
2: to get back to that kind of training right like that that must have been yes yeah
0: yes that was huge and having uh, her having been prior military or current yeah. at the time yeah. those workouts were rivaled anything i dealt with in basic and, right. and i and i mean that like in 1 hour that, the, it was like a 13 to 1500 calorie burn, nonstop, constant weights, cardio, weights, cardio. It was, it, No workout was the same. It was perfect. It really took me back to, um, it did take me back to basic training in, in a way because mm-hmm. you had to push through a lot, you know, especially starting off so heavy. So that yeah, kind of yeah. reignited my, this fire, this fit fire, I guess you could call it, where I just, I'm like, I can never go back. And so once I got my weight under control, I was definitely in a lot more of a peaceful place. And, um, and, and I was able to help tons of women uh, lose, you know, hundreds of pounds. It was awesome. I could give back uh, having gone through that in a way that maybe other people might not be able to because I understood the emotional and mental side of, of that. Right. So I could relate, you know, going through yeah. these things has... As much as they've sucked has helped me relate more, more can be accomplished that, that way, I think. So that's okay. You know, it's okay that that happened. I'm embarrassed I let it happen. But anytime you can turn a negative into a positive, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I try 100%. to do that as much as I can.
2: <laughs> but then when did that, did you continue working with those women or what happened...
0: Yes. Yeah, I did. Um, in, let's see, about three or four years later, I, uh, I went to the VA for a random checkup. I hadn't actually been to the doctor in a while. I really don't get sick, but I I went, um, to get into their system and everything and did like the full checkup thing. Mm -hmm. And so they did a few tests and they discovered a large, a large cyst in my abdomen, totally random. Huh? I didn't even know it was there. Uh, it was larger than a grapefruit. <laughs> and I, just, I, I had no idea it was there. No symptoms at all. Everything was perfectly normal otherwise. And so they, uh, they're they like, dude, if this ruptures, I mean, it, it'll kill you. We need to get oh, this look. out of you. Plus, there's, you know, there may be cancer present. Plus, there's a chance you might have to have this full hysterectomy. And while I've always been on the fence about having kids, it's nice when you have the option and that you know that your body's likely capable of its most basic biological function and when I heard all that I just it's like my god I really am possibly quite possibly good for nothing you know like I couldn't fulfill my military career I'm trying all these things you know and I I really try when I do I give a hundred percent I honestly don't half-ass anything I do it's very important to me you know, like the photography business was successful and I still love it. I just, it wasn't the military, you know, but, yeah. um, and then, and then to find this out while also dealing with daily chronic pain, which I haven't really discussed because, oh, well, I've always assumed there's really no point in talking about it. It's not going to alleviate the pain, train not to complain or whatever, you know, <laughs> <they are>. so, <laughs> um, when this happened, I was like, my God, like, <laughs> what can I, you know, this is this is crazy. So I really uh, fell into a, a dark place. I definitely did in 2016. So I, I went in and had this surgery, mm-hmm. and uh, it was actually better than the best-case scenario they predicted. I had to sign on three different outcomes, potential outcomes. Um, you know, if there was cancer present, they'd have to remove a lot, including yeah. part of the lining of my lung and heart. It, oh, it was, my Lord. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, just do what you have to do. But... <laughs> Um, just a a side note, I I met with my surgeon for the first consultation and her phone rang and it was star Wars. And I was like, okay, this is going to be amazing. You know, (laughs) so I had, (laughs) I'm such a geek, but I just, my surgeon was amazing. Really? Uh, she was, a so she she made this happen. All she had to do was take that cyst and nothing. I didn't lose anything else. So it was the best outcome, but I think I'd already started on that that last bit of that spiral that I think I'd been on for a really long time right? and was kind of ignoring it, you know, just bringing these distractions in, yep. you know. And that was another problem was, am I confusing these happinesses with distractions? You know, uh, it's just, you can get really down really fast, really easy if you let yourself. Right. Uh, and I do, I'm a thinker. You know, uh, if thinking too much is my biggest flaw, that's awesome. <laughs> I'll take but, it, you know, but sometimes it bites you in the butt. Um, and that's kind of what happened to me. I, I After the surgery and everything, the, the recovery is when it kind of all came to a head. Um, I mean, I could barely sit up in bed by myself. You just, it's weird because in the military, your mind controls your body. Mm-hmm. Like you think you know your limitations. And then you dig into deeper and deeper facets of your own mind, and it just redefines your body and your limitations mm. for yourself. It's it's awesome. Yeah. And then so when you start getting this chronic pain and all these things, and you're even when you especially when you do them to yourself, like the weight gain, you know, we're our tough, uh, tough uh, critics, and it's it really weighs on you that you've let this happen, right. and then the things you can't control you know, like a neck injury or chronic pain, those, it all just kind of, they compound and amplify. So all these things came to a head and I felt like I was hitting a rock bottom for sure. Uh, It was, I had some, a couple of very alarming evenings where I just, uh, you almost convince yourself that people will be okay without you Mm -hmm. and you can almost tune out the, the fact that you have an enormous amount of love and support in your life. I'm right. not sure how, but it just, like I said in, in our other talk, depression, sometimes depression can just sweep you off your feet in the least romantic way ever. Right. It's like you're grounded and then boom, you're you know, it's crazy. And I felt that that's what I was approaching or, I mean, that I'd arrived at was that rock bottom
2: were you actually, would you describe yourself as suicidal
0: at that point? I, I would, I wasn't, I've never attempted. Yeah. I've thought about it. Uh, I've played it out in my head. Every time I just see the faces of the people that love me, specifically my yeah, parents.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I lucked out They're They're so loving. They, s I just want to make them proud. That's the one thing in my life. I mean, it's nothing else. I just want them to be so proud. And they, they really are. They, I know they are. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. tell me all the time and uh, they've kept me here a long time, just with, just with their love. And that's with parents that love you. Like other people have different situations where maybe they do feel completely abandoned. They didn't have maybe the upbringing I did, you know, so then I compare myself. Well, not compare, but I try to keep things in perspective. Like, dude, I have it pretty good. Like I have, People that love me, I I can still I have all, my arms and legs. I mean, I can right. walk. You know, yeah, but depression sing.
2: doesn't care, it's, right? Depression that doesn't.
0: It's a yeah, it's a bit indiscriminate. It's yeah, just kind of hates us all equally or something. <laughs> so yeah, it, it just snuck. It really well. It didn't sneak up. I, I felt it, and um, I guess the problem was, and the blame that I take is embracing it. Um, because you don't have to, but you do sometimes, you know, um, I embraced it, those thoughts and I, I didn't attempt, but it was, it was right there. I, I mean, I had, I could have, you know, it was the night before I bought my bicycle was probably mm-hmm. the, that was the darkest night I think I've ever felt. And just a lot, a lot had been building up. And uh, it kind of came to a head that night. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> uh, I'm going in tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going in tomorrow because uh, talk talk of the journey had already been discussed. I just hadn't purchased the bicycle. I knew once I purchased that bicycle, I was locked in. Right. And I'm very careful about what I commit to because once I say I'm going to do something, no matter what, I could be on fire and I will still I'll still figure out how to how to finish this out, you know? So I I just that was it. I'm like this is happening. Like this is getting scary. So
2: So why a bike and why I a activated. bike ride? Like what what took you there when you're you're not a cyclist, right? Like this this is not something that you're not a bike rider. Yes.
0: The the bicycle riding a bicycle in general, while while I had no experience at all with it. It was one of those things where I could physically do it like, um, like long distance hiking. Mm-hmm. Uh, my knees are pretty shot. And because of my chronic neck pain, wearing, wearing a backpack probably for more than an hour gets, I mean, it's really painful. Right. And while I'll never admit it openly at the time, mm-hmm. it's not, it's like fire. So uh I, I You know, I couldn't really go on a long walk. I really wanted to do something like that. And then, so the riding a bicycle was something I could do. At least I felt I could do it. I had that confidence, at least the base of confidence going into it. Mm -hmm. That this is something that's not only possible, but something I might be able to excel at or even dominate. I was was excited. I was like pumped up about it.
3: Wow.
0: (laughs) So I, I took that first test ride. With uh, her name is Stephanie from uh, Healthy and Bike Shop in Nashville. That's who uh-huh. I worked with throughout um, buying the bike, the maintenance classes, all that stuff. Like they took great care of me, and their their patience is is unbelievable. <laughs> so, but she took the first ride with me, and it took me a while to get on the bicycle. You know, I, I made a few visits there, but finally she's like, "Let's go on a test ride. Do you, do you want me to go with you?" I was like, "God, don't ever tell anyone." But yes, of course. Now everyone will know. But I'm like, yes, I do. I, Yes, please come with me. So we took off out of that bike shop. And I was a little wobbly for, okay. I, I mean, probably like the first 10 seconds. You know, once you get your body straight and start going. Mm-hmm. And then just something happened. I just, I don't know. I got this huge smile like, I, I remember or something. You know, it, it does <laughs> come right back, like yeah. riding a bike. It's so cliche. Everyone says it. And I've scoffed at it numerous times throughout my life. That phrase exists for a reason. Like <laughs> it really does, just come right back, all of it. And so we were riding down the, a few of the streets around downtown uh, East Nashville, and we were going up a couple hills. I was like, Oh my God, this this feels so good. You know, it, it really does because you're not going too slow or it's boring. You're not going too yeah, fast where yeah. you can hear everything. You've taken everything. And yep. and so I just kind of like took off on her. <laughs> I, I just took off. Something just happened inside. And I'm like, my God, I could do this. You know, I I was still recovering from the surgery. I had this, whatever, these physical ailments, quote unquote. And I'm like, nope, holy crap. Like this is it, you know, um, this feels Amazing. And so I took off. Honestly, I wanted to get ahead of her because I was getting a little choked up and I not wanted to let people see me get choked up, but it was so overwhelmingly possible uh, in my mind. And I was like, my God, this is it. This is the the way I'm going to combat some of this stuff. I'm going to beat it to death. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of being, you know, a prisoner in my own mind and stuff or being trapped in this body.
2: So you, so so, did you know at that moment you were going to go across the country?
0: And, no, and what I knew was, before and what I was the bike? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Well, I, to, the first part of the question I knew beforehand, I'd met a Marine through a mutual friend mm-hmm. and we'd been talking about doing the trip and the planning of it and everything like that. So I knew about, I knew of what I was going to do. I just was hesitant to get on that bicycle. I was super nervous. Um, which is embarrassing because uh, you know we're not supposed to get nervous about anything. And so that so the planning was in the works. It was just starting and getting everything together and mm-hmm. and start yeah just starting the journey. And the bicycle I chose was a uh, Kona Sutra. Is a steel frame bike because I am no lightweight. I, yeah. <laughs> I have no illusions about ever being petite. I'm like five ten, half German you know, I guess an athletic build if you want to be generous. And so I'm like, I don't want this thing breaking under me like in Kansas. So I went right, with right. a steel frame, even though it's like 32.2 pounds, I think they said something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, God, every ounce you could feel, you know, but so um, no, I bought that one. Uh, it was a Kona Sutra and it, it was, it came with the leather brick saddle and it also included a rear rack. Oh, nice. So it was a good deal. I mean, it was about sixteen hundred bucks for the for that package, wow. which I thought it might be more than that, just based on some of the cyclists I'd been messaging with. That yeah, have like yeah. Ten thousand dollars. Oh yeah, because, I was like, yeah. I'm just not doing You're not that Do not ride across the country on one of those. Stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, well, I'm sure they're like. There's a reason they're so expensive. I just, I just wasn't. I don't. I wasn't gonna. Yeah. Wanting to spend that amount, but right. which I guess leads to the funding of the trip. I know you. Yeah,
2: i maybe talk Well, well, how did you? I mean, you had to leave your photography business, right? And and yeah, adventure. did
0: yeah. you know how I long took, it uh, would take to do this thing? Did you have no? I assumed, I okay. I I I guesstimated. I I wanted to give myself like four months because I didn't want it to feel like a race. I wanted it to feel right. the opposite of a race. You know as i said it in my thing in my uh, blog i wanted it to i wanted to experience the country in a way that was gratifying and grueling huh. and so yeah. i wanted to leave that extra time for you know experiences yeah day to day cuz since you're never in the same place twice i just knew i mean i knew that a lot would come up i wanted to allow for the time and i also wanted to take my time i didn't know how my body would handle this endeavor and uh, so how did, I didn't want did to really put too tight of a time frame. I, okay, so in Nashville, there's a, a bikeway. It's called the Music City Bikeway. Okay. It's 26 miles long from uh, one way, it's not a loop. It goes from downtown through a lot of the metro parks to, mm-hmm. I forget where it ends now. There's a giant dam built by the Army Engineers hook. And um, so I would go out there and do a section of it there's a section with some, with more hills. So I went out there almost every day. I kept testing my 10 mile time. Uh, the first day I went out, I just did 10 miles to see where I was at. It was like 40 some minutes. It's like, oh, okay, step it up. So I kept going back and trying to fine tune my, my 10 mile time. And then off, off of this path, there was a side path that leads to a, I believe a, an airport. I don't know if it's an airport, but I don't know if it's still active or not, mm-hmm. but there's runways, there's two runways. And the winds out there are atrocious. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how anything took off or landed there, but I would take my bicycle out there and practice cycling into, into the headwinds. Oh, wow. And then take that tailwind back and just be like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. turn around and go back in. Because, um because of the, the direction that I'd be taking from east to west, it was going to be, I, I Which, guess, just... You know, most, most people
2: I, don't, don't do that. You know that, right? Like most people um, travel with the wind. Y-
0: yes, I'm not. most. I'm still <laughs> weird. I, going against the grain is just kind of, yeah, I, I was definitely warned. I was warned. It's my own fault. <laughs> I knew what I was getting Well, I didn't know what I was getting into, but at the same time I took it. I'm like, let's do it. And I have a lot to prove. I had a lot to prove to myself. And mm-hmm. I wanted to prove to myself that I not only want to be here, but deserve to still be here, you know. And so I I wanted it to be hard. Deserve I needed to still it be to here be hard.
2: because other people weren't here.
0: That that is a huge part, um, if not most of it. Yes, uh, coming home without your friends, especially when you've grown very close to them, is it's just a it's a very unique pain that doesn't Hmm. subside and it's always there. And especially when you let yourself go Mm -hmm. or you know, you're not doing what you could or should be doing uh, Mm -hmm. as far as achieving your own, your own happiness and peace. On top of that, you feel like you're doing their sacrifice a disservice and it adds to that. And then you feel guilt about feeling guilt because we're not supposed to be weak or soft. It's so, but it's so much stems, and every veteran's different. Um, that's mm-hmm. why there's there's really no one solution or answer to some of these epidemics and problems, because every veteran is so unique in their uh, what they're combating inside.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It varies literally individual to individual. So, but yeah, for me, that was a huge part of It's coming back, and I wanted a big part of this journey to be to honor them to honor their sacrifice and also the, the friends I'd lost to suicide to honor their life Mm -hmm. and to talk about this stuff because nobody, uh, not nobody, but it's people aren't, they're not eager to volunteer their disclose their own negatives about themselves. You know, no one wants to do that. Yeah. So this wasn't the most comfortable thing, but it's like, dude, I mean, we got to start talking about some of this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, honoring their memory. But as far as your, your question, yeah, huge part of it was was having lost friends overseas. That that might actually, I want to be so bold as to say that that might actually be the maybe the biggest part for most of us, because we go over as a unit and we're to come back as a unit.
3: Right. And
0: even if you're not directly involved, and especially if you are, that is a pain that it just doesn't subside, you know? And um, that was part of my problem was I didn't feel like I was honoring their sacrifice by just letting days, weeks, months. And at this point, many years pass, um, you know, already feeling like I'd lived that entire lifetime already. There's nothing left to do. I'm just going to ride this out. And I'm basically here to fulfill an obligation to the people that love me and nothing more. Right. And it's like these people that, did not give their lives for me to be sitting here thinking like that, but it was consistent in my thoughts, and that that's a huge. This journey helped that in in amazing ways, very unique, unexpected ways. So you set up vicious cycle, which
2: which was yes. what is that? That's a that's a web site. I mean, your blog is on there. What
0: what, was that how you funded yes. the trip? I I made. I, yeah, I thought up a vicious cycle for the, the title of it, uh, obviously mm-hmm. based on the fact that I'm riding a bicycle and right. just these vicious cycles, like it's over and over. It's it's like that, like I was saying in our other talk, the record that plays, and it's beautiful music and all of a sudden it skips and scratches and it's like you end up back at this place. And it's like, my God, was all that for nothing or was all that just a distraction from the fact that I'm never going to be okay, right. you know? And so that was kind of the, the meaning behind a vicious cycle. And so I, I actually got to use my bachelor's degree and design the logo and the website, mm-hmm. socials, all that stuff. Um, I set up a page on my website where people could purchase paracord bracelets, which I'm still making uh, <laughs> if people want them. I love doing that. I mean, and I get to do something. I didn't just want, you know, free money. Yeah. I'm not one to ask for help, let alone someone's hard-earned money. So, um, I set up an option on my website for people to purchase paracord bracelets, and then so I, I sold those for 20 bucks a piece, and I made 380 something of them. And then I had a handful of people donate toward oh, that's it. That's awesome. Also, and there's people that believed in me and knew. I think I I want to believe now that they knew that once I was good to go, that I would be able to help others. Mm -hmm. And it's true that that's, that is true. That's all I want to do is leave people better than I found them. And I knew I needed this, um, journey for many reasons. So I I made these paracord bracelets. I sealed them all with the first knife I've ever owned when I joined the military and, um, let you know, had like literature that I design and put thank you and so my business cards spread the word. I want to unite and inspire as many vets as possible because if I could do this, anyone could do this. You know, I am at rock bottom. I don't. I am a mess. You know, I'm just gonna grab this bicycle and put this gear on my my racks. I still call them panniers. I know they're panniers. I mean, I I'm super. I don't know. I just jumped on the, and like literally anyone could do this. So the more people that know about it, I, I really want to like unite vets. And, well, it um, sounds
2: like you really didn't take that much time to, to train. Um, what, was the, mm-hmm. what, was the, what was the time from you that you bought the bike that you set off and, and was Virginia Beach, that's where you set off from, right? Was that because of its military roots? What, what, what made you set off there and then end at the Golden
0: Gate Bridge? Well, the I set off from Yorktown, Virginia. Oh, Yorktown, Virginia. It okay. is. I think it's just north of there. But that there's a an annual race called the Trans America Race that that goes from Astoria, Oregon, and that's the finish line's in Yorktown at the Victory Monument. So that's, gotcha. that's okay. where we started. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And so, um, but um, let's see, Yorktown, Virginia. That the reason, yeah, that's part of the Trans America Trail going the opposite way. Gotcha. So that's basically how I started what was the first part of the question
2: well no I was just I was how much time had passed from the time that you bought the Kona the training of course yeah
0: yes yes the training sorry um I spent about three weeks training (laughs) (laughs) I I did this 10 mile run (laughs) I, I did I started doing 20 miles I started off unweighted Right. Um, just for a few rides i'm like this isn't practical i need to put some weight on the bike my gear was still coming in i ordered all my gear on like amazon rei stuff like that um and so that was still coming in so i would put like hand weights i, I had <laughs> i had the I'm, i just keep saying panniers <laughs> that's okay you can keep saying i panneres. had these hand weights Yes. So I stuffed those full of weights and um, I put it up oh, to wow. about 60 pounds and started doing my 20 mile rides. And then, um, Six a, yes, 60. Wow, yeah. I okay. just, I wanted to feel it, you know, and well, this is mostly flat too. So I'm still thinking, okay, my okay. God, and then with no wind really. Right. So, so. I, yeah, I was still kind of curious as to if I would survive this thing. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but I got out to uh, it's called the Natchez Trace Parkway. It's 444 miles one oh, way. from so Natchez. Yes, it's, it's supposed a, it's to be a popular, beautiful.
2: Is it beautiful?
0: Yes, yes. I, I now I only did the first. I did 50 down. Okay. Um, but and that's the hillier part is toward Nashville. So right. once you if you're starting from Nashville on that, there's the hills, and then it will flatten out. From what I hear, the duration of the that leg to, to Mississippi, Natchez, mm-hmm. Mississippi. It ends in Nashville, starts in Natchez, Mississippi. So, But, yeah, it's a huge biker route, uh, beautiful, and and cyclists, People love that thing. And um, I can't wait to go back out there and do that. But that's where I started doing some training, especially with the inclines. And I was – I mean, I was feeling them. I was pumped. I mean, that was my first taste of a weighted incline. Oof. And I made this video – I was just, I'm like, this is going to be so wonderful. (laughs) I wanted to get as prepared as I could, but I knew that nothing would really prepare me for the actual thing, like fully. I was just trying to gauge my my nutrition. Like I went out there and tested out something uh, with no food, having not eaten anything, uh, very minimal water. But the heat wasn't crazy. So I, I just, I made little notes of just Hmm. all these things, hundreds of little factors that could arise. I was just making these notes and it's weird because normally I'm super duper scattered. Right. Like I have a million things going through my mind at once. And when, when I was doing these things, I was just, it felt like I was absorbing things differently because I was going to need it possibly for survival or really for survival and uh, potential life or death situations I mean, if you don't have enough water and you're in the high desert, yeah, yeah. you're done. I mean, that almost happened to me. So, and that was three fourths of the way through my trip. I should have, yeah. you know, I don't know. Water's heavy. I don't know. Water, water is, is heavy. heavy. That
2: is a fact. I've so learned that many times. Like, what it can is I get very, away very
0: with? <laughs> what can I get away with? You know. So, yeah, that so, was kind of the training I did. How many miles a day
2: did you did you plan on on doing? Like, what what was your what was your game plan setting
0: out? Before I'd cycled a mile of my trail, I was thinking between fifty and sixty a day, Mm-hmm. Uh, like fifty on average. <laughs> okay, so starting out in the Appalachian Mountains, how did that go? <laughs> it's just not good. It's <laughs> so another reason people a don't, a lot don't of people- start in the east. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so steep. Yeah. And they come out of nowhere. Like, Oh, this is so beautiful. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> <For the day." laughs> okay. That's like a, yeah, it's a 200 foot climb and an eighth of a mile. And I'm, you know, just, I'm done. <laughs> That's it. So, um, when I got out there, I, the Appalachian mountains really put things into perspective, mm-hmm. but it also kind of set the tone for the rest of it. Like, okay, I totally killed these mountains. Let's go Rockies. Whenever you get here, and then that was more of a marathon. Appalachian right, were more right, of a sprint.
3: Right. So it,
0: but um. Anyway, back to the miles. Um, I was probably let's see. It was probably between twenty and forty. That range, based okay. on the number of spikes, really that for that day in the elevation profile. That's what I mean by I just gotcha. call them like spikies. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> it looks like a seismograph reading. <laughs> uh, it,
3: it's going to be it's a shorter nonsense, day. I love yeah. it. <laughs>
0: Yep. Today's going to be a short one. So, and, and a lot of that, and maybe I could have gone further, but I, I really wanted to make sure that my body was going to be okay. Yep. Uh, this is a long-term commitment. I, I had nothing to prove to anyone but myself. You know, it wasn't about the miles per day. Um, I needed to make sure I was going to be resilient and build stamina without injuring myself, right. you know, my weaknesses. I, I don't want, I want them to get stronger. I don't want to further injure. So I was careful in that way too. Other people could have done probably way more. You know, I, I was working with what I had basically. Did you camp? Yes. That was my favorite. That's my favorite. I love roughing it. Um, I love camping. The camping, there are campgrounds in almost, almost every town, Huh. I would say, if not, there's a city park. Right. There's a city park, and you can kind of stealth camp, I guess. <laughs> and they usually, if there's like a law enforcement or something, they see your bike and gear, and they leave you alone. You know, it's not you're not. They know you're not going to probably be a problem. You just right, definitely right. want to get sleep and not be bothered. But you don't, you don't there. live
2: there permanently now. You're just trying to re- yes, re- regroup. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Yes, nothing like that. So, but um, I did get a room like a couple nights a week. That was what was the desired amount at least because mm-hmm. I just, I just didn't get that fulfillment out of, well, like I said, in my blog, like comfort and convenience leave no room for appreciation.
2: Nice. And
0: that was like one of the exciting things was having next to nothing and having to figure it out and making something out of nothing is super duper gratifying. And it yeah. reminds you, like, you can do really anything with, with almost nothing, it reinstills like that. It's a confidence, like that self sufficiency uh-huh. is the best. It's just the best thing you could give yourself is is learning that. The less you need from others, um, the more you can give, I think. I think the more you can give.
2: And did you look up, I mean, when I look at your blog, you, there's so many really wonderful pictures of you with veterans from all over the place and you're singing in diners <laughs> and like this, this stuff going on. It's, so touchy, and I'm i I like, know. I'm like, did, did you did you purposely like wander into VFWs and American Legions, or did people find you? Or like, how did all those experiences along the way happen?
0: They they were very random, very random. Um, I would say almost all of my route did not include towns with VFWs. Huh. Uh, it was all very bank roads and very small towns. So whenever there was one, I would try to make a point to go. And the ones that I did make it to ended up being, I mean, huge. Even if there were five people in there, we all just like got together. I, I, we all ended up just group hugging pretty much yeah. uh, veterans from all wars. But these encounters with vets were all completely random. And I don't know. I'm not sure. I just it's almost like I could tell who's a vet or something, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> And I would, I would like make it a point to do a little something too. I had a little side fund that was given to me by uh, a stew and the nun uh, radio show. They they gave me a, a small, well, not, not small to me, but um, like a side fund to, to surprise and treat veterans to things oh, so that right. opened up a lot of facilitated a lot of things. If you know, if I could buy someone a beer or a meal, yeah, um, that's a conversation starter. I mean, Food gets me talking every time, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. no these these encounters with veterans were unplanned, um, almost always unplanned, and we just almost have this homing device where we just mm. gravitate to each other or something. Maybe we could tell by how we walk or respond or where we sit in a room. <laughs> you well, know? you were wearing of course, some
2: clothes that may have may have indicated that you had some purpose, right? Didn't you? Ha- didn't you have a? Your your jersey was for the Fallen. I mean, weren't you wearing some attire that that would be like, she might be a veteran.
0: Yes, I had a, yes, this jersey. I love it. It it says Honor the Fallen on the back, has a big flag on the front, and it's like black, so it's stealth. (laughs) But, um, you know, for a lot of it, on the, like on the most, uh, on the more dangerous roads or uh, the more narrow, windy, Mm -hmm. uh, I wore like a long sleeve neon Right shirt, but you know what? I I did I did carry my dog tags. I wore my dog tags, and I the chain was shorter than usual, so they were visible. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason I did that was if, I guess if the worst happened, people would immediately know my name, my blood right, type, right, my so right. um, stuff like that. So I wore them. So I'm sure that probably gave me away <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> if even if I didn't have my patriotic jerseys on, but um yeah, I would just you know what? I would initiate conversations. So I. I would make the, make sure that I made the first move, or started up you know a conversation, even if it was casual at first. And it's it's really miraculous what happened during those and and how quickly too, mm-hmm. um, between vets. It's like w- once two people discover they're they're both veterans, it's like you skip past so much stuff. Maybe yeah. things that might take other people years to to get to or something there's like this whole groundwork this unspoken bond that already exists and you can just skip past all that we already know our humor can be completely inappropriate mm-hmm. we can um say whatever we're thinking we don't have to sugarcoat anything like i I mean my veteran friends make fun of me all the time and i do the same it's awesome but when you know when when it, stuff goes down we're the first to jump in front of each other right you know right. um <laughs> And we know that. that's probably why we're extra hard on each other, because we know we have that, you know. And so um, what what really blew my mind was my discussions with Vietnam veterans and the insight I gained from them was, it's indescribable, really. I, I guess I just, I have so much reverence and respect for Vietnam veterans and mm-hmm. the fact that they've, they've really paved the way for my generation of veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't stop fighting after they got home, despite yeah. their they're welcome. And they changed how we, how future generations would be viewed by the country, be treated by the VA medically. Um, all those things they founded and ran a lot of the organizations that are there in place to support us. A lot of us don't take advantage of them. I was one of them. You know, I didn't step foot in a VFW after moving to Nashville for eight years. Uh, I, you know, I isolated instead all these things are in place. And what I, another thing I discovered on this trip specifically because of the fact that all these encounters were random was that we have a bigger family out there than we could ever imagine. And I've said that several times now. And every time I say it, I'm reminding myself too. It's fresh every time for me that I say that Mm because it really is mind blowing how many people are out there that not only understand, but that just, selflessly care the generosity and kindness is in place and people are willing to talk or not talk or just hang out there's really not very much pressure especially when you focus on relating and not comparing this is service right which i didn't run into a lot of comparison except for maybe once um but yeah these vietnam vets really blew my mind wow like i felt like they had my back they and they had they, just the insight was amazing. And some of it was, it wasn't super happy. It wasn't happy-go-lucky. They're like, yeah. well, it's not gonna. It, it very well might not get any better or easier. But the right. sooner you realize that, the sooner you could probably put things in place or start tackling that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> were you but ever yeah, scared? Yeah, just the a hug. Like. By yourself, going there, across the country. You know, well, so I did have a writing partner for a portion of it. Okay. Which does help, but uh, I think I think the healing really started happening when I branched off. Anyway, but I'd never really, I was never really fearful. Um, the the thing I was scared of most was finishing. But I can touch on that in a minute. The there's so many situations that you can just avoid if you could kind of see him coming, which yeah. I know that some skills I gained in the military um, helps with that. Definitely like reading body language and tone. I mean, you know, you can avoid so much or um, making sure I start and end in a town. Right. Uh, I plan out my day the night before, just making sure I have what I need to, to make it there physically. And then, you know, if I saw the same vehicle twice, I'm on high alert. Like there's no reason for that vehicle to have passed me twice. You know, I, I paid attention. That's the thing it's so great. I love that this journey justified the use of my hypervigilance every day. Like I felt normal again and the lifestyle and the countless dangers and factors felt like home to me. They really did. And it made so much sense. Um, I guess one, one instance of something where I'd be on high alert <laughs> is a vehicle would pass me and then I'd see brake lights for no reason. Right. Um, the brake lights. And then it, a, a few occasions they pulled over and stopped. Mm-hmm. And so it's <laughs> my thing is as soon as I see brake lights, I'm stopping my bike right there because they can't stop that fast and they're going to end up way ahead, you know, right. which is, which happened every time. I had it like down and um, you know, a couple a guy would get out, Start to op- this one guy got out started opening his side door and asking me if I want a Gatorade. I was like, "No, I have a liter of water. I only have a mile to go, and my group is right behind me." Yep. I would just yeah, say my group is right I behind me. I understand that very nice. well. Those that, the guys that is, are right like, behind
2: me. Yeah, we will be here in a minute. Yep. Yeah, I've done that a couple of
0: times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I and I would even say like a group too. Yep. Like, you yeah, yeah. There's a, I got a, a massive people. Right? <laughs> Just like a hundred thousand people right on my tail, dude. So <laughs> he was the the guy got back in his truck quickly and left, and I was like, my God, he, that dude he did not have Gatorade. Like I'm not. And in that time, of course, I already had my knife out and my pepper spray, one in each hand, hidden by my handlebar bag. I'm just it. It really is. A, it's a good feeling that you know you can handle these things and that they're presented and you're made to handle these things. That's a huge part of I, I did feel normal out there again, huh? So, so that helped yeah. a lot. As far as being scared, I, the fear factor didn't really come into play, even with elevations. I was like, oh my god, there's an incline tomorrow. It was a, it was an excitement. It was an intimidation factor, mm-hmm. but it was like, I, I can't wait to see how I, how I handle this or what it does to me. How yeah. is descending? Those, those inclines or something.
3: Yeah,
2: we're well going up, but you also have to go down on a fully weighted bike that maybe you're not used to going down
0: fifteen percent <laughs> grades. Like, like how how is that? <laughs> well, uh, for the most part, it was glorious. But <laughs> you do build up a lot of speed with that weight, and I'm no lightweight. I mean, I'm 170 pounds, uh, 175. So, and then you have the steel frame bike and the gear. Um, Boy, you build up speed quick. And I, I remember there was one instance that was a, a, could have been bad. Uh, it was going down Mount uh, Vesuvius. It was called Vesuvius, <laughs> and rightfully so. There was a huge incline out of also appropriately named Hater's Gap in Virginia. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I was definitely a hater. Oh, my God. But anyway, so <laughs> I got up there. It's, it's 3.8 miles. It's like a 1,500-foot gain. It's really something. Wow! wow. <laughs> and but coming down the backside, I think coming down coming up the backside is worse. So west to east, hats off, man, because I went down down Vesuvius and my brakes were—you could smell them—they were so <laughs> soft—and then they eventually really stopped working, and I had to um, come off my saddle and straddle that the main bar. I'm sure there's a technical term for it. It's hilarious. It's okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank
3: you, guys. It's okay. I
0: seriously have so much admiration and respect for these time So, I thank you. Uh, so, I straddled that thing and I unclipped my right foot and left my left foot clipped in for just for control. And so I, I broke or broke or whatever Like with my right dome. foot. It, it was exactly like that. And the the sole on my right shoe, I'm holding it in my hand right now because I just wanted to remember to tell that story. The sole on my um, Yeah, it is flat. I mean, it's completely flat. Uh, The tread on the bottom of my shoe is gone. Wow. And so I I use that to break down Vesuvius. Um, And
3: And that's pretty early on in
0: your journey, right? Like, aren't we still
2: in? We're definitely still on the East Coast.
0: Oh yeah, this was one of the first inclines. This is, I think, was the second big incline of my journey. The first wow. one I think was like Afton Mountain, it was called, or something like that. So, oh no, this was way early. I mean, I had to figure that out quick. <laughs> like, I'm going to go off the road. There, there weren't any guardrails, and there weren't really any guardrails, and it just dropped right off. Um, so, I had to do something real quick, <laughs> and then Did you once I break you around down there, okay,
2: along the way. Speaking of, like, Um, um,
0: yes, okay, yes, there were. uh, I see, I went to three or four bike shops uh, throughout the country, Mm -hmm. Um, bike factory. There were um, because you had to have burned your uh, brake
2: pads, like you were just saying, like, you had to have needed to. That's a lot, that's a lot of up and down and and weather, and yeah.
0: You know, the Appalachians tore those up. I didn't have spare pads with me because I knew that there was a, a bike shop right after some of those big inclines. I believe it was called the, the Bike Factory in mm-hmm. Virginia. So they, they checked out my pads and made sure. I guess there was maybe a little bit of corrosion in there or mm-hmm. something like that where they replaced them. So that was very helpful. And then as far as servicing my bike, I mean, changing the – the fl- or, or servicing the flats, I used a lot of patches. I didn't have a okay. whole lot of flats, really. In fact, I didn't have a single flat from Pueblo, Colorado, till the finish. Not oh, one wow. flat. That's almost 2,000 miles with the that's Grand good. Canyon detour. I had a Schwalbe Marathon Tires. I I had zero flats that whole time. That's impre- that's Good job, Schwalbe. Like, <laughs> Wow, that's a, that's amazing. I never thought about it, really. I was like, I didn't have to change the tube. Wow. So, um, but also, well, speaking of Pueblo, there's a bike shop there that was um, called the Great Divide. Mm-hmm. And this was around where I'd, I had my accident, uh, where accident. I got run off the road. Yes, I saw that and on your blog. They,
2: so a truck made sort of forced you off yeah. the road, right? Just so the, the readers or the people who are listening who haven't read your story, you, you, that was, mm-hmm. that was the, that was sort of the only accident you had, correct? Like, and it was significant.
0: Yes, yeah, that was the only one. I, I was forced off the road by a large black truck pulling a trailer.
2: Pickup truck. And like an I F3 went off the road.
0: Kitchen. Yeah, yeah it, yeah, it was it was a large, yeah, definitely, large pickup truck. And uh, I went off the road to avoid getting hit. I don't think he ever did see me. I think he just wasn't paying attention. Um, he kept going. And I went off the road, my tires sunk into sand, and I fell left back into the lane Ooh. Uh, my knee took the, my left knee took the full impact and, uh, it, it's actually good. He kept going cause I probably would have hit his trailer or the trailer tire might've run me over anyway, but right. there was a car that was tailgating this guy that, um, didn't see me. So I threw my hand in the air real quick. I had that long sleeve neon Jersey on that day. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> the roads were getting <laughs> crazy, uh, up there. It was my first day going into the Rocky mountains too. Um, so the, the car that was tailgating the truck, I threw my arm up and they swerved around my head, basically. Oh my Not Lord. basically, They swerved right around like the, the screeching Uh-oh. behind my head. I will never forget that sound. It, when people take off from a red light now, yeah, it, yeah, it does something to me. <laughs> it's like, I will never forget that sound. I just watched the mountains. I'm like, I'm going to put my hand up and I didn't know if I was going to be okay. And, they made it around me. Um, there's a, a group, it's called Team Rubicon. They're a uh-huh. group of veterans and some civilians. civilians could participate also. They're almost like the National Guard. They get deployed around the country to help with disaster relief and, and all sorts of other things. And they were in the area that day. I'd met them the night before. They were working down the hill about a quarter mile away and they heard the tires. <laughs> They're like, wow. that's what that was. We didn't hear a crash. So I was like, yeah, that was me not getting killed. <laughs> and so they uh, they helped me out a lot after my accident. But, um, so yeah, car as far stop as back the car is The car
2: that you waved off, did, did they stop?
0: Yes, they pulled over. I, my adrenaline kicked in and I shot right back up. I'm sorry, I'm fine. <laughs> this metal thing. I was like, yep, I waved to him, like, good to go. I was like, I can't put any weight on my left leg, but I'm, I'm fine. You know, I didn't <laughs> want anyone to stop. I wanted to process it and gauge my injury and focus and concentrate on what was wrong and assess the situation alone instead of, I just needed to figure out what's going on. Then I ended up waving down an oncoming truck, which took me back to the town I left from that day, which is Wetmore, Colorado. Gotcha. And the Team Rubicon members met me there, and I, got, I ended up being able to get a ride to the Denver VA. I stayed with a cycling host for two weeks while I tried to recover. I ended up partially tearing a ligament in the back of my knee and um, had to let it heal. Ooh. I had to How take long time did that off take? to let that heal. I ended up having to come back home uh, in early September. I tried to nurse it back and I rode one mile in Colorado Springs. I got on my bike after a couple of weeks, rode one mile unweighted on flat terrain and my knee swelled up. And I was like, something's really not right here. So yeah. I went back to the VA and said, they said, there's a, it's all, it's more serious. It's a full sprain and there's possible micro tearing. So I, I knew then that I would have to, come home and, and heal, which really, I mean, it was a journey about healing, not further right, injury. And that right. was my good knee. I was like, what's going on? So that whole thing, I'm like, great, cool. Another vicious cycle. It's, it's almost laughable now. So, but I got home. It took about four months to heal. They avoided surgery. It took a little longer. Um, there was no surgery needed though, which I, I was kind of wanting to not have to do that. So that's perfect. Yeah. But I had then I had to wait for winter to pass because I was starting into the Rockies and it could be June and there's still snow up there. Like I had to go up Monarch Pass, Lizard Head. Uh, right. These are 10,000 foot climbs or elevations rather. And so I had to wait till June 2nd of this year to start back out. So I gotcha. had to take that hiatus and pretty much start all over right into the Rockies. I'm like, well, I did this right into the <laughs> Appalachians, so of course, why not? Like, <laughs> right. Of course, but I was wary, we- of, of course, of my knee um, and careful and stuff starting back out. But, yeah, the I was going to mention, too, like the, there's a bike shop in Pueblo called Great Divide. They, they boxed my bike and shipped it free. They, I had it shipped back to them when I started back, and they reassembled it for free, tuned it up, and then Pueblo put together a send-off ride for me. They felt so bad this happened in their state. I'm like, oh. dude, one, bad apple doesn't ruin the whole bunch for me. I'm like, I, I can't believe this is happening for me. Like, yeah. holy crap, you know. So they they put on this whole send-off ride the day, the, my first day back out from Pueblo to Canyon City. It was really special. It really got me going. And there was one big incline during that first day that was, in my mind, going to set, set the pace uh, for the rest of the the remainder of the journey. And it was like Jackson Hill, I think it's called. It's mm-hmm. a beast. It it curves around. You can see the whole thing from the base. It's like, why God, why? And <laughs> I made it up that thing. I got a little choked up. I will admit, when I made it up there, I'm like, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna finish this. You know, I was doing the hashtag finish what you start. Yeah. Um, it's so important, you know, to commit to something and follow it through. And you can have an idea, and that's great, but you got to execute it also. And, you, I mean, you have to finish what you start. So that's that's what happened there. But, yes, uh, servicing my own bike and everything along the way was I had a very basic maintenance kit. I, I really fine-tuned a lot of my gear along the way, right. um, what right. I absolutely need and nothing more. I was even throwing Q-tips off my bike. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I can feel <laughs> you under me. Get out of here. <laughs> Like, so,
2: so, so talk a little bit about, about when you started to feel like this journey was fulfilling its purpose.
0: I would say, um, I would say probably the, through, throughout it was happening, a -hmm. lot of the views And having to earn them was huge. The kindness and generosity that I experienced from East Coast to West Coast, there wasn't any one section of the country where people were nicer or more warm. It was consistent. Hmm. It it really opened my eyes. And like I said, like we we are not as divided as we think we are. That was a huge, had been a huge bummer for me. Like this country that I love so much, this feels like everyone just hates each other or something. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's it, it was a bummer. And so I was like, I'm gonna go experience this country. That was another reason uh to fall back in love with America, I guess. I oh. I don't know. That's very nice. You get no, kinda bummed really, out, like I would really die sweet. for this country. Yeah. You
2: know, and I you come like, back and everyone just yelling at each it, other like on Twitter, right?
0: <laughs> like it's just like what's going on? <laughs> I I spend so little time now on social media. I haven't turned the TV on, on once since I've been home. And I, while I like to be informed, a lot of that isn't informational. You know? Yeah, for sure. So, but um, oh God, the kindness and generosity along the way, and the warmth and people, everyone was welcoming. You know, and um, you gotta, you you definitely get what you put into things. You get back what you put into things too. Um, you have to be warm also and open, right?
2: right. And
0: that stuff just kind of falls into place. Like you, the right people start gravitating toward you. And so it was definitely the healing was happening along the way. Um, there was a little negativity there. And I think once that was out of the picture, that's when I would say like Western Utah, that's when things started really falling into place. Mm-hmm. And um, my, I just felt myself changing inside. A, like more rapidly. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I really am falling back in love with, with uh, the people in America. And like, I feel this healing. I feel like I'm really honoring once I had this clear head. um, It's like, I really am honoring my friends. I lost, like, I really do feel like I'm I'm doing them justice and if nothing else by living. Mm -hmm. And uh, along the way, I I talked to people about, you know, some of our issues, especially the veteran suicide topic. Um, And it wasn't just like I read a book or watched a YouTube video on it. I was right there. I understand. Like it's, 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 it can get so dark and no matter, no matter what you do sometimes. So um, just having those interactions with people along the way was incredible and having vietnam vets open up to me after three decades or or longer i just longer yeah i felt honored like it was my honor to do this you know and and i got healing along the way but um i think a lot happened in the rocky mountains for me mhm um with the those massive inclines that stamina i think that's when i really uh was like you know I think I, I might be able to refer my, to myself as a cyclist because yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. about to just – well, I wasn't about to just do 1,000 miles and be like, yeah, totally, I'm a cyclist. Like, I don't know where – I wanted to, like, feel like I've earned that title. I mean, cyclists are – there's so much – and and, well, just to be able to have this interview with you – it's such an honor, um, you know, just to be in that category of being referred to as, as a cyclist after a shorter amount of time is, is an honor because there's so much. There's so much involved. Um, there's so many factors and challenges, and it's so mental. It's so very yeah, mental. Yes. yes, it is. You know, uh, it's 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 so impressive, <laughs> cyclists. So just to just – to, I was really starting to feel like, hey – I got this, like, dude, like, I'm all over this thing. I can eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. It, it made so much sense to me. And so uh, I, I would say Utah is when I'd already tackled the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. The freaking Ozarks came out of nowhere. <laughs> I forgot all about those. I was, in my blog, I was like, was I so geographically challenged that I completely forgot about the Ozarks? You know, I, I was even thinking, what? No one thinks so about, about the like, Ozarks. Had I, oh, yeah, I'm like, wh Where where do these come from and why (laughs) why because the heat started pouring in, you know the humidity. Um, mm -hmm. I had a few scary days out there. I was screaming at mats. I almost lost consciousness. Wow, it was nuts. But um, (laughs) there were so many different challenges along the way. Um, like that that's it's hard to describe. You know, a day or even a handful of circumstances from this journey because every single day is so completely different. And once you tell people maybe a few things, they think that's how the whole journey went. And it's every day is an entirely different set of challenges and experiences and views, and it's different air. It's never even the same yeah. air twice, you know. Great, great, Except point. for one thing, you're using your own strength to go forward. That's it, uh, which is which is a really cool concept of of what this of what this journey was. You took some um, the beautiful, the beautiful
2: images built. of the country too. Oh, like, thank you. I mean, you're a photographer. You're, I mean, this is you're professional. It's clear, it's clear but it, I, I felt like, how could you not love this country? I mean, seriously, just looking at some of those images, yeah. I'm like, wow, it's just so beautiful.
0: It's yeah, it it's so breathtaking. You forget, you forget how much it hurts. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, when you when you hit the top of the mountain and it's your jaw drops. Well, yeah, like when I saw the Grand Canyon, that was so the beautiful. first time. Like, that was my, the first time you saw it. it. Yes, I've never seen it in my life. Did you just burst into um, tears? I, I, to I burst that into side tears side and
2: side. I got out of a car. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine riding to it. I would I'd still be sobbing, I think.
0: Yeah. No, it was just like that. I, I actually backed toward like backed toward the rim. Um I wasn't ready. I, <laughs> really. So I'd never seen it. I already knew it was going to be a mess. My, my cheeks were going to be a mess. So I turn around and my jaw like drops to the canyon floor. And my, my I, what had I to say? My eyes darted around undeservingly. Aww. Even though I'd powered myself to that rim or pedal, or, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, it was, it was as if it had been here for Millions, hundreds of millions of years or something, just waiting to humble me and take me to my knees. It's like, what? Oh. Hold on! I thought, you know, I thought, I thought I was ready. It's indescribable. In fact, I didn't. I tried to describe my reaction, but as far as describing the Grand Canyon itself, I didn't even touch that on my blog. I'm like, this is something you're going to have to experience yeah. with your own eyes and formulate uh, in your own mind. I, I'm not. The words aren't there, and I'm not gonna look for them. Awesome. Uh, I, I'm not this time. This is the one time like, yeah, I'm like taking a step that. Back. This is crazy. Yeah, it's I'm so, a writer for and, a and living, and
2: special. I I don't know if I could. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's real. It sounds it, that's one of those things that's really cliche too, right? But you get there, and you're like, whoa! Like that it it has such a a yeah. powerful effect. Yeah.
0: You could totally vouch for me. It, it wasn't a cop out. It's really that crazy. <laughs> no, really. Yeah,
2: it's it's especially really, I can't even imagine. I'm not even on a vision quest, right? Like again, I'm not. I haven't ridden there. I just so I can only. I that's, that's an awesome. That's a really awesome uh, description of, of it of all of it. Um, <laughs> I tried. Yeah, it, it
0: being my first time too. I'm like, and I got to throw my friends. Um, two of my very close friends, their son, who I'd known since he was eight years old, he uh, he took his own life. And uh, oh, I, I wanted to honor him on this trip, like, is you know, big time. And I made a few posts about him along the way. Um, but at the Grand Canyon, I'd had his parents. Uh, his his last name is Ward, W-A-R-D, and they have mm-hmm. a whole campaign for Ward, which the play oh, is the okay. word forward, yeah, yeah. which is like a huge concept of what this thing was. So we're like, right. let's do something. I mean, yeah, this has to... <laughs> We got to do something. And they mailed uh, commemorative, uh, two commemorative rocks ahead to me at uh, Cedar City post office. And so I got hold of those and took it to the Grand Canyon. One of them I hid. Uh, and one hint: it's on the Kaibab Trail. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the other one was meant to be thrown. And I'm like, Kendra, has has Eric ever seen his name is Eric? Has he ever been to the Grand Canyon? And she said, no. I'm like, me neither. It'll be a first time for both of us. Like, what do you think about me just hauling off? And throwing that thing as long, as hard, as far as I possibly can into that canyon. And maybe, maybe it'll be found 10 years from now. Who knows? But if not, he'll always be a part of that. Of course, she was already like, she already had it packaged and mailed by the time I finished my sentence. (laughs) (laughs) It was perfect. I got to honor his memory uh, and throw that rock into the Grand Canyon. And then I was able to video chat her from the Grand Canyon. I had signal briefly. Wow. And, oh, it was it was incredible. I mean, just getting to, to honor it was a really important part of this journey, it was not only honoring the fallen, but the lives of you know, people the people say they lose the war inside, but it's it's you can't sum it up in a sentence.
3: Yeah. There's
0: so many things surrounding why this is happening and it's so different for everybody and that's why it's important that we're there for each other and that we do come together we do have an obligation to our fallen and to each other to keep fighting and we don't have to do it alone and i isolated for like 8 years I, that's all i was doing and i, I knew it was coming and well, sometimes yeah. you don't sometimes it's very impulsive but and it could have easily been impulsive i was right there you know and god that that support system the family out there is is pretty incredible but that's why it's so important for us to pull each other out of the ashes
2: well it's and that yeah. th- that makes me that makes me think of something you you said earlier and, and we we sort of left to be continued that you were afraid of finishing this journey yes. like were you afraid of, yeah well were you afraid of finishing it because you, you might just find yourself in another vicious cycle. Like you, you're you're so alive and you're using yeah. all these skills and you're doing all this thing. And it's almost like deployment in your own way. But then what? Mm-hmm. Like, is that, is that what, the, what the fear was? Like what happened if you were approaching the Golden Gate Bridge where you're like, I'm going to turn around and ride back. <laughs> like I'm
3: just going to, maybe I'll just, <laughs> maybe I'll go to the other I know, direction. I hear it's
0: good. <laughs> yes. I'll just follow the, the, Wonderful. God, I would love to know what a tailwind feels like. Honestly. An unweighted tailwind. Oh my That'd God! Be like, I, you'd be bionic, I have to know. Right? you
2: would make it in four oh days. God.
0: Yes, four days. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Just cliff bars. Right, yeah. right. No, <laughs> you, you totally nailed it. Yes, I could pro- Oh God, who knows? But you, you totally nailed it with your description this journey was very much like a deployment where you are like the sponge. You absorb everything so deeply and uniquely. All of your senses are heightened and you have to watch everything all the time, but you feel good about it. But then when it's over, I mean I I, I figured it'd be like coming off a deployment. But yeah. as far as what what I was most afraid of, like I said, was finishing. And what what next? Am I gonna yeah, like you said, Is it going to be just another failed attempt, you know, at locking myself back into life, um, reigniting my lust for life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew I would have hopefully inspired some people, honored people, but I was hoping that that healing would come for me. And that was my fear with square one, uh, back at square one, ground zero. Uh, But uh, along the way, as I, recognized and realized the amount of healing that was happening out there. And and I've always loved nature being in nature. There's some, there's just something about um, the lack of stimuli Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. the peacefulness. And it's, it's visually appealing, or you could close your eyes, take in the sounds they're non-threatening sounds, you know, there's a bear right behind you. It's so rare that would ever happen. But, um, and I was like, my God, like, other people need to feel this, or at least I need to somehow provide for opportunities like this for other veterans. And I knew that there were a lot of programs. There were some programs out there that Mm -hmm. um, take, you know, vets on adventures and and nature, but there's never too many. And I I felt like I needed to contribute to the solution that um, helping others is when I'm feeling the best and I can give way more when I know that what I'm doing is making a real difference. Like when I was in the military, you know, I felt like I was making a real difference and I could go a hundred, give a hundred percent, feel good about it and do it well. And I'm like that, that needs to continue after this. And so I put together uh, a program called waypoint vets and I'm building it right now. And uh, pretty much from the ground, I mean, building it from the ground up Mm -hmm. and it's going to, Facilitate like it's basically bringing veterans together through these through nature-based outings and activities mm-hmm. like smaller-scale versions of what I did like camping, fishing, hiking, canoeing, cycling, right. um, and then different social activities like God, there's oh man, there's so many th- axe throwing, yeah. Um, yeah, hand-to-hand. I mean, just yeah. stuff that reminds you like yeah. hey, not only am I capable, but I'm with people that get me. Yep, um, and. You could. It's just this comfortable environment, especially with the na- more nature-based outings. I'd like yeah. to focus on those. Just spend a day and go kayaking down the Cumberland River here, or um, canoe out to an island and camp overnight. Right.
3: There, right. eat what we catch.
0: I don't yeah. know how to clean fish. I'll clean the fish. You know, you cook them though. I, I'm only really good at cooking fried grenades. But um, I'm useless in the kitchen. So, but yeah, just being able to facilitate those types of environments for other veterans became, it was clear as day for me to, to start something like this.
2: And, and so now that, I'm in
0: the beginning stages that, of putting that together.
2: Did that epiphany come to you before you crossed the Golden Gate Bridge or
0: uh, after you finished your journey? Um, before. Oh, it was it was well before. Gotcha. It was well before. Um, it actually, I thought about it. I actually, the idea initially came to mind in the Great Plains. And huh. people told me I would hate the Great Plains because you can't, there's no end in sight. It's right. super quote unquote boring. It's like, oh, this, yeah. maybe if you're coming out of the Rockies, no, I wasn't going to be cocky like that, but I just did the, like the Appalachian, the, oh, I, I was like, the planes were heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason I could just, I could just go, 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 and my heart would steady, and then my mind would race. And I got so many ideas, or I got to work through and think through so much stuff in the Great Plains. Kansas was beautiful for that reason. I'll never forget Kansas for that reason. And that's when I initially thought of it. And so um, when I got injured in Colorado and had to come home, that's mm-hmm. what I really kind of dove into. Um, like I designed a logo, logo gotcha. and clean like the website and socials and came out with like a mission statement, a plan uh, or at least a, a bare bones plan with different, I have a whole list of outing ideas. So now I'm just trying to get it off the ground. I obviously I have a lot of research to do. I want to surround myself with the right people. I want this done right, you know, right, as far as right. building it 501 and yeah. I, I, yeah, that stuff. That's kind of where I'm at now. So I have a, a website, waypointvets.org. With it has a mission statement. Basically, it says that the outings will begin in the spring. And Then there's the option to like donate toward lo- launching it, and then uh, links to the socials. And that's that's what I have so far. And um, I've already kind of told people uh, this is. I mean, this is definitely what I'm going to do. Right. Um, so <laughs> this is happening, and I think it's important the fact that I, I did commit to this bicycle journey and saw it through despite you know the no experience coming out of a surgery having chronic pain having that injury halfway through like I don't just say I'm going to do something you know I it's I mean it you know I mean I really do mean what I say so I think that that's just important just for people to to know that I carry things through and but yeah that's what it came to me in the plains, and I've been working on it, fine tuning it.
3: Do you
2: have an when idea I of when I that Golden
0: Gate? Yeah. I, I just wasn't as scared.
2: That's that's great. So can like, okay. I, I was going to say. I mean, a couple questions. Let, let's first of all, let's go yeah. across the Golden Gate Bridge. Let's finish your journey. Um, what was okay. what was it like? Just out like what what? You had never been there either,
0: right? <laughs> no, I've never. The first on this were definitely the, the heaviest in the best way ever. I'll say the lightest. It swept so much crap out of me. I was like, look at these things. Goodbye, so many things. Hello, all these new things. It was awesome, you know? So yeah. I got to the Golden Gate, and I was surrounded with American Legion riders, and they had a day notice. And all these people showed up and it, it one day noticed. They're like, you did what? We'll see you tomorrow. And I'm uh, like, oh, my God, okay. Uh-huh. So I had all the support. I had a motorcycle escort. The local news is there. Uh, a bunch of support from the, the War Memorial Building there in San Francisco. The AMVETS, the VFW. Mm-hmm. It's been a massive support. Um, they helped me fund the second leg of my journey, actually. They helped me with a grant, national grant. Like the BFW wow. is incredible, but that's a whole different thing. I could talk about them for an hour. Or so, but I got to the Golden Gate, and I just, I just looked up. It was a more of a clear day, and I teased myself a little bit ahead of time, and I would go and look at it kind of from a distance and like flirt with it a little bit. And the haze would be coming through it, and I'm like, you like little mysterious thing, you, a powerful structure connecting lands and facilitating opportunities and my God, I just can't, cannot wait for Labor Day. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: And um, so the time came and we set out and the news actually put a GoPro on my, handle, my handlebars and then oh, nice. I had my own running and I was, I talked, I talked some of the way through it, kind of a more of an encouraging, I think, mm-hmm. topics, you know, you, you take back control of your life take control of your own happiness. And um, just crossing that, I got to the middle and I just looked out over the Pacific and it really was, I mean, I feel like saying surreal is a cop-out, but (laughs) after 4,010.2 miles, I just was like, wow, that's that's it. That's it. I'm going to feel that water, but I didn't want to get ahead of myself. Like I wanted to take this bridge in. Just the... The symmetry, God, it was beautiful. And um, the color, everything about that Golden Gate was amazing. And I I was thinking to myself, you know, people use this every day and the locals uh, approach it. And, I mean, I I traveled 4,000 miles to see it for the first time and I just felt very connected to it. Um, And I I do try to kind of use a lot of similes also um, to... It turned to like I, things feel like it's like a personification. I don't know. Uh-huh. I just view things as if it were a person sometimes. And it was right. almost like we were. It was waiting for me patiently, and I was just working to get to it. And I mean, toward the end, I didn't want the trip to end. I didn't. But when I saw it, I was like, "This is. I'm going to cross this bridge, and that's so symbolic. This for new beginnings. Right. Uh, we'll right. cross that bridge when we come to it. Boom. Yep. yep. There's the bridge. San Francisco. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wow. So I, I crossed, I crossed the bridge and I stood up like, you know how the the bridge arches. So about three fourths of the way I stood up on my seat, I put my hands up. I was like, I'm probably going to get, you know, I'm probably going to fall off. Whatever. I put my <laughs> hands up. I just, I couldn't believe it. I, I actually closed my eyes for a few seconds. I was like, all right, Sarah, snap out of it. <laughs> like, wow. You're right there. Don't be an idiot. But <laughs> I just, I had to like go for a few seconds. I just had to let go. I let go of so much on that bridge. That's I feel awesome. like I just oh, got it. Yeah. So I crossed the bridge and um, circled around and it was a bit of a strenuous um, ride from the end of the bridge down to ocean city. There's a bridge that's closer, but ocean city beach is extremely long and it's um, very well known and the walk from the stairs to the to the shore mm-hmm. I am guessing it's probably around a quarter mile maybe it's shy of a quarter mile that's pretty long <laughs> i don't want to exaggerate i'm really trying to it's, it can't be too far from a quarter mile so it's um, <laughs> <But> still <laughs> um, with all
2: that stuff i mean it's all, even if it's a football field it's <laughs> like right so <laughs> it's a, it's
0: a yeah, long way to it go it was probably about that it was really it was quite a walk, and but you know that that walk that I took from the parking lot across that sand, mm-hmm. that was hard. It was very it was difficult. I mean I was pushing the bike in the gear, the tires were sinking in the sand. They were pouring through my spokes. Every oh, step was a imagine. half step. I was using my whole body weight to push the bike, and um. I felt myself kind of nearing muscle failure, you know, uh, probably about two thirds of the way in. And yeah. I just, I looked down at my feet and I had these flashes of uh, Iraq, you know, walking in the wow. sand in Iraq. That's probably when I felt the most physically and mentally capable of my life.
2: Wow. <laughs> no, that's amazing.
0: Um, And it, in that moment that, that came back, like it really presented itself as a completed mission. Well, nearly completed mission. I'm like, nothing is going to stop me from getting to that water. And um, everyone was like, you got this, you got, you know, I I heard those voices just like in the military. No man, you know, we don't, we encourage each other and push each other. And I heard those voices. I was watching my feet in the sand. I looked up every now and then at the water. It was so overwhelming because I felt that same power that I felt back when I felt capable, back at what I feel was the peak of, of who I was. And I was getting that back right then. And <laughs> I made it to the shore. This is. Okay, I'm going to try to get through this. Cause, oh, it's okay. You know, I'm going to start crying, I, too. I made, no. <laughs> I made it to the water, and I get the bike out there. I made a short video of me, and I barely got out the word yes. Like, usually I'd be like, yes, you know? Like, I, was, I barely got out the word yes. And when those waves rushed around my ankles, it's like I felt all of them. I... <laughs> Yeah, no. Okay, this is what I I am crying. This is what I
2: picked okay. up on on that. I'm not kidding when I see now I'm crying. No, so, yeah, I,
3: power
2: you numbers. could you could just, but you could it's so palpable. So like when you, when you're talking in that in that news clip, all everything that you're saying is just. Re, I mean, even though you're saying very simple sentences. Those emotions are so palpable in you. They really, really are. I was like, holy crap. Like, s- stuff just really yeah. happened with this woman. I mean, you it's all, of, yeah. I mean, it, it makes, I mean, I mean, I obviously you sort of know intellectually, but like to hear you describe all of that that's going on internally makes, I was just,
0: wow, yes. Um, well, thank yeah. you for feeling that with me. I mean, and being so empathetic with that, like, you know, I just, I really felt in that moment when I felt that those, that cool water, that was hot. I mean, (laughs) that cool water, I threw my shoes off. I stopped shy of the shore. I threw my shoes and socks off. I was like, no, I want to feel really feel this water. I don't care about jellyfish. I walked in there (laughs) and just, I just, it it is, it's like I could feel all of them. Everyone we lost, everyone we've ever lost. That all my friends that I've lost to either during our deployment or to suicide, I felt like I, I did them justice in that moment. Like, I felt like they were proud of me. Like, I did the right thing. Not only did I feel all the people that i I'd lost and that we've lost, to both war and to suicide, but all the people that had supported me throughout this journey and encouraged me and believed in me, they were all right there with me in that moment. And I was just so grateful. I was just filled with my heart was full. Hmm. And the first thing that really came to mind as I headed out of the surf was I cannot wait to, Put, to put this out what I'm feeling
3: right, right, to
0: spread this, you know to pay it forward to incorporate this into every single day, because this feeling everyone needs to feel this, wow, and um once you i mean once you kind of eradicate the negativity and and you just let in all this, all this uh, warmth and <laughs> yeah. support. It's just, it's a game changer. And then, so has that, has has that you get, <clears throat> continued? Are you
2: still? Because it's been now. It's been a few weeks, right? Like, how mm-hmm. ha, ha, are you still feeling? What we're talking about right now, those like that, you know, that it's not this is not another vicious cycle that you, that this is, this is forward. And, and yeah, I guess that's my question.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, let's see. Yeah. It's been a few weeks since I ended. And uh, during that time I have, I made a trip up to Ohio to visit friends and family. Uh, I had a big get together there. Probably like 80 people came out. Wow. I'm like, if you can't say that's cool, I'll take a hug. Like I just wanna. I wanted to. So many people from Ohio, where where I'm originally from, were so supportive. I, I just wanted the opportunity to thank them in person. You know, yeah. so I had to get together at a, a restaurant in, you know, up north central Ohio, and so I went up there for a week or so, spent time with my parents, sister, and then uh, I came back down here, and my gear arrived in that time, and so I've been. Going through my gear, um, working on the website, trying to get things in in place, trying to button things up so that i I just want to do everything in the right order, and also, you know it is it's a lot like coming back from a deployment. in fact, I need to I need to make sure I document this stuff because now i I'd been warned about this. By countless cyclists. They're like, start planning your next adventure about a week or no. you know, about a month. <laughs> at, I mean, get your next adventure in the, you know, yep,
1: and I'm like, yep. I know. I,
0: well, I, I, I kind of view waypoint as my next adventure. Right. So, right. So um, And Excellent. so I've been, you know, trying to focus on that, but I will say it is very much like coming off of a deployment. You not sure where you fit quite yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I still don't know how to dress myself. I'm still wearing the same tank top I wore under my jerseys on the road. Uh, I don't, (laughs) so, um, I'm like, Oh, oatmeal. That's that's all I need. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know. It's just a weird transition. Yeah. And so uh, it's very important that I actively make sure I don't fall into old habits. I, I have all these people in place now. Um, there's no room now for, for that. There's no room for the isolation. I have different standards for myself. I've been reminded, you know, I've been reminded by the mountains, by the plains, by the desert. Nope. No, no, you know, you're still that same person that you forgot about and you need to help other people come to that realization about themselves too. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's the goal through waypoint vets is bringing veterans together, uniting us, especially ones that tend to isolate like I was doing. I know exactly who I'm looking for, Celine. (laughs) you know? And so, so much healing can happen, uh, especially when it's not forced or when it's unexpected. You might just hang out with the right people in the right setting. We might get together and sit around a bonfire and make fun of each other for an hour. And that's therapy. Right, <laughs> you know? right. uh, it's, it's weird what appeals to us. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I want to facilitate now. That's what I'm going to, to do because I have felt it firsthand. Right. And right. I know it exists. It's not unicorns and cupcakes. I want to provide these opportunities and have uh, just make a real difference for other people.
2: That's, That's awesome. what's gonna keep me
0: here. This is gonna keep me here.
2: Well, we're glad you're here. And I'm very glad that you were here with me today to share to share your story. And, thank and you. I yeah, and I know it's gonna touch it's it's so moving and it's gonna touch a lot of people and just really appreciate you and your service and your continued service um going forward. It Oh thank you. Yeah, it means it means a lot and, and I'm sure that this is going to touch more people that you know. So thank you.
0: No, thank you. Not only for, you know, having, having this outlet available, um, but for, for gaming my story worthy and for doing such an amazing job sharing it. You know, you're such a badass, but with such (laughs) a big heart that you're like hard and soft. Like it's so (laughs) cool. The way you use your heart and head together to like put these, your wordings and stuff. Like I am flattered and honored that you consider me for this.
2: Thank you. And
0: um, it's also really nice to talk to someone that gets a lot from cycling and that just all those, those crazy, like I I got your book by the way, the oh, you did. Oh, good. I, I, it came, it came last night and I can't thank you enough. And your message you wrote to me is beautiful. Uh, I won't forget. And thank you for signing that. I cannot wait to read it because what I got out of those climbs, uh, <laughs> those were, I mean, using your demons to earn your wings is oh, probably the that. best way I've, I've <laughs> oh, thought I love of that. to oh, my describe it. Like, Well, that's why I kind of put like, how many kinds of... I must are, um, like, great. <laughs> do it. Or, yeah, just, I have these
3: the whiteboards where I, just I can't write wait things
2: down? down. Like, that's going to
3: be... <laughs> That has to be on there. Wow. I love that.
0: Yay. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, that's exactly what you got to do sometimes out there. It gets pretty crazy. You, well, it's like death and rebirth too. Like it's these contrasts that are crazy during these things that take you to these limits and whatever. And I don't know. I'm just, I can't thank you enough for, for having me and, and taking the time and really genuinely caring. I mean, It's awesome. You're so easy to talk to. And well, I just really appreciate it. Let I, I you know, appreciate it too, really. And I,
2: and I hope, I hope one of these next times we talk, it's going to be um, on a bicycle ride, because that would be awesome.
0: Oh my God, I would. You're gonna smoke me. I, I, I better start practicing I, now.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: We're like <"Sally."> <laughs>
0: <laughs> So you just hear the right. echo. Um, I would love that opportunity to ride with you someday.
2: Yeah, that'd be great.
0: I that don't think we
1: need to make every, that happen. That would be awesome. Well, thank All you. Right. I want to thank our guest, Sarah Lee, for joining me on The Paceline Tandem. You can learn more about her and her mission at her website, aviciouscycle.org. And check out the show notes at redkiteprayer.com for a link to another interview I did with Sarah for bicycling.com. Also, be sure to download our episode of The PACELine next week when Patrick will be back to talk about his adventures in Taiwan. That's a wrap for this show. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, I hope you leave the show a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, I'm Celine Yeager, inviting you all to enjoy the ride. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.